Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. And it says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him kneeling down and said, and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said why could we not cast it out so Jesus said to them because of your unbelief for surely I say to you if you have faith as a mustard seed you will say to this mountain move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you here's the thesis of my message however this kind goes out not only or this kind does not go out except by prayer and by fasting over the next few minutes I want to speak to you um, from an idea and a message that I'm believing and I'm hoping that it would speak to your hearts father I love you and I thank you Lord God for this time of of worship this time Lord God where we can lean into your presence Lord Father, I thank you, Lord, for this immense privilege that we have to just come before you, to to stand before you, Lord, and not have to worry about our sins, not have to worry about how much separation there is in between us. But, Father, the fact that we can come to you, Lord God, and that we can speak to you, that we can boldly approach your throne is because of your grace, Lord. And, Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name, Lord, that you would remove me out of the equation, that you would remove our thoughts out of this equation. Father, that you would inject your spirit, that we would hear clearly from you, that we would see you in such a beautiful way, Lord. That your words would jump out of the Bible, Lord God, jump out of our screens, and that it would be etched in our hearts, Lord, the calling, the responsibility, the authority that you have placed inside of us, Father. Lord, I love you, and I thank you, Lord. And I believe that in the next few minutes, Lord God, we will encounter you, we will see you, and our lives will be forever changed, Lord God, by you, Lord. It's in your beautiful name that we pray, Lord God. Amen and amen. Man, come on, if you're in that text chat, would you do me a favor and would you put some hands up if you're expecting, come on, some fire emojis. Come on, would you do me a favor and put some hearts in there if you're believing for God to speak to you. Come on, engage with this message. If at some point I say something that rocks you, that stirs you, please make sure you're putting in a heart in there. Put put some fist up. Let people know that you're engaged and that you're agreeing with this message. Amen. Come on, we're not in the church, but we're online and I want you to shout and scream in a digital format. And the, the message or the title to this message is don't get root bound don't get root bound I'll explain to you what that means in just a second just recapping what has been going on as a church over the last 13 weeks if you believe it or not we've started this series called out with the new and in with the old we believe that our new normal is that which the Lord has died for and empowered the church to do and we've taken these time to be able to study not only the Holy Spirit but the gifts of the Spirit and we talked about how Jesus explained that the Holy Spirit would be with us and then he would be in us and we saw how that happened and he gave a promise that in the upper room 
was completed in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit no longer was around them, but now living inside of them. But quoting from John chapter 7, verse 38 and 39, he said, for those who believe, out of your hearts will flow rivers of living water. We saw this happen in the upper room and then many times afterwards where when the Holy Spirit will come inside and fill the believers, that not only would they speak in new tongues, but then they will also prophesy and this prophesy is one of the gifts of the spirit which Jesus says will come upon you and it are used to be able to preach the gospel these gifts of the spirit are broken up into three different categories which we talked about and last week my wife did an amazing job in concluding them the revelation gifts the word of wisdom the word of knowledge and then the discerning of spirits then we talked about the power gifts, which is the gifts of healings, the working of miracles, and the gift of faith. And then the inspiration gifts, which is prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, and how us as believers, we are to use these gifts to edify. That means to build up the kingdom. That means that there are people that are far from God, that don't know God. There are people that don't have the very same faith that we have, and that God has given us not only a declaration, which is the gospel, the power to save. It is only the gospel that is the power to save but that God has actually given us declaration and demonstration that he has given us these spiritual gifts or these pneumatics these spirituals that are dynamite that are dunamis that we're able to put these things together and that the power of God resides inside of us and it's used to be able to speak life into people to be able to do the things that God did think the way that God did and then speak the way that God did and these spiritual gifts are given to the church for the edification of the kingdom I'll explain that in just a second why. But with all that being said, now what? 13 weeks we've studied this stuff. We've learned it. And maybe you're new to the church and you haven't. You can go on YouTube. You can go on our, our Facebook page. But whatever means you want to, each and every one of those are on there. And they explain word by word what we were studying for the last 13 weeks. Where we unpack the Holy Spirit. We unpack the gifts in such a beautiful way. But now that we have all of this, what happens? There is a danger that is found in here that I want to show you in scripture and I'm hoping to God that we would evade this danger. I, I'm Cuban and every time I get on this stage, you probably heard that about 45,000 different times. And, uh, us Caribbean people, Haitian, Dominican, Puerto Rican, Cuban, from St. Thomas, the Virgin Islands, Jamaica, Bahamian, those of us that are from these islands as well as different countries as, as well, but all of us Caribbean people, we eat exotic stuff like fried okra, and, and, and different type of foods that they put together that some people look at that and some people, I'm going to group my son into that. Some people that look at those type of food and they say, what the heck is this? I want chicken nuggets and French fries, please. And if you know somebody that's like that, maybe they're with you in the living room or watching this message. Relax. Don't look at them. Don't, don't make fun of them. We love you. We love you and your simple palate. My son Levi is one of those people. He just, he can't eat anything. Nunzi I think we, we said we were going to pay him $20 to eat a piece of vegetable. And he actually ate like, a, I think it was broccoli. This man threw up. Like that's how bad it is. In his mind, he just said, I'm not about to die, but this $20 seems right. Death, $20. I'll pick the $20. And he eats the broccoli and he starts throwing up. He's the kid that doesn't do any of this. Well, we were on a family vacation and we went to, we were in Miami and we were able to order this thing for him that is called a hiwarito. That's tongues for incredible and this thing is fried plantains that you get it and you make a sandwich lettuce tomatoes and then steak or you could do chicken you could do pork whatever it is and it's a sandwich in between two fried plantains when you walk through the gates of heaven 
Peter will say, well done, good and faithful servant, or Jesus will say that part. But Peter will hand you the hibarito with a Chick-fil-A sandwich as you walk inside the gates of heaven. I mean, it's one of those meals that you're just like, all my Puerto Ricans, y'all put some hands up in there. You know what I'm talking about, my Dominicans. Y'all do it too. Yo, these things are incredible. Yo, can you believe that Levi ate it? He took out the salad and the tomatoes, whatever. He ate the hibaritos. I mean, the first time that he like, he got exotic with it. Yo, he started eating. He stepped out of his comfort zone. <laughs> I want to show you something when it comes to comfort zone because there are two stories that are found in this scripture that I want to unpack today and I want to show you because you can find yourself in a dangerous place if you're in these comfort zones. The Bible right ahead of where we spoke about or, or right before this message or the, the scripture that we read today, the Bible says that Peter, James, and John were with Jesus and they were in the mountain and Jesus got transfigured. And at the moment that he got transfigured, Moses and Elijah showed up and all three of them are having a conversation. Peter, James, and John are witnessing this. I want you to understand the magnitude of what this is. Moses to Peter, James, and John was kind of the equivalent of Jesus. He was a rock star. Like this was the guy that freed our people. We read his scriptures. We follow our life. We avoid everything that's from the world because of his teachings. Moses was the guy. Elijah was the same thing. This was Jordan and Pippin. Like these guys are incredible. I mean, when it comes to scriptures, when you look at their stories, one of them stopped the world from raining for three days or stopped the sun stand still for three days. Like this guy did incredible works. Moses and Elijah are standing in front of them. They turn to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, should we build three different tabernacles? Let's build three churches. Let's stay in this moment forever. We're blown away. This is one of the greatest miracles that we will ever see in humanity. Let's stay right here. And the Bible says that a voice came from heaven. And it said, this is my son, my beloved son, in whom I am pleased. Listen to him. They wanted to create a, a church. And they wanted to stay there on the mountain with these individuals. And what God said was, no, this is my son. Listen to him. I'll explain what that listen to him part means in just a second. Because we see that the disciples, as we do, have a tendency of finding themselves sitting in comfort zones for so long. The disciples in the book of Acts, if you read it, a great study for you to read, there are times that they would go into cities and they would flip the city upside down. Remember, that's a word that God gave us at the beginning of this. They would flip the city upside down, but they would stay so long in the city amongst the miracles and everything that's going out to the point that they got there and that God would create persecution to push them out of the city into another city. God had to push the button, stop, don't stay here, listen to my son for them to actually go and continue to spread the gospel because he wasn't about comfort zones. He wants you to listen to his son, the son that says, preach the gospel. The son that said, those who believe will receive miracles, signs, and wonders. Demonstration will come. That he said, I want you to go make disciples. I want you to be my witnesses. The words of Jesus have never said to be comfort or to sit in comfort, but to actually walk out and to change the world. But us, yo, we're, we're, we're creatures of habit. We love comfort zones, man. That's why we don't let people borrow our chargers. I wish I had a microphone. I wish you were here to say amen. That's why you, we, don't want you to wa we don't want you to drive in our car because I want my mirror the way that I like it. I like every time I get in Nunzi's car, I push it all the way back because she drives like here and I have to push it all the way back. But then sometimes I remember, Nunzi, I apologize. Sometimes I remember to bring her seat back so that she feels like, you know, it's her, it's her world. That's why when your grandma 
Or when your mother-in-law comes to the house, you're so mad because she put the plate in the wrong place. Look at me. Don't look at your husband. Look at me. Don't look at your wife because it's her mom that does that. The cups don't go there. The spoons go in this place. We, we like our comfort. We like to put ourselves and we like to build comfort around us when God has never called us to be comfortable. He's called us. We are not meant to be in comfort. We are meant to live in calling. That's why right now, at this very moment, Christians all over the United States are in a church happy because their kids are in Sunday school. Maybe they're watching online. We're living in such a comfortable state while all across the globe right now, men and women that have called on the name of Jesus in Afghanistan are being martyred. They're being killed outside of their comfort and their very executioners are being spoken the word of the gospel and are being witnessed to because they're ready to die for this thing where there are men and women in China that are giving their bodies to be sacrificed and to be martyred because they will not stop proclaiming the name of Jesus because they understood that they have a calling. They don't want to live in their comforts. There are men and women, my wife works with them right now, Jason Peebles, that they have an entire organization as there are so many others, but World Outreach Missions that sends missionaries into the globe that step out of their beautiful, cushy, nice Western civilization, AC, beautiful clothes and TV and internet and walk into remote villages to preach the gospels. Some of them, they might lose their life physically. All across the world, there are individuals that actually get ostracized from their families. They no longer can go to the family gatherings right here in the United States of America. They can no longer be a part of that family or that friend group because they've chosen Jesus. And everywhere they go, they've sacrificed for this. May we never find ourselves in a place of comfort so much. What now? What do we do? We gained all of these spiritual gifts and we understand this stuff. Now we move in it. Now we preach the gospel. It is the gospel which is the power to save. It is not a spiritual gift. It is not an office of a prophet, an evangelist, a teacher, a preacher. It is not none of those things that save. The only thing that saves is the gospel. It's the story of Jesus. He who stepped out of heaven, lived a sinless life, died for our sins, resurrected after three days, and then gave us the keys to death, hell, and the grave. He gave us an authority and a kingdom to establish. He gave us a mandate. The Bible or the big word that we use as a church is the word commissioned. That he said, regardless of how bad you are, whether you cut somebody ears off or you denied me regardless of whoever those are or whatever those are I am still putting inside of you a mandate that I want you to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and that is my phone here you go you can take that and because that's my mom's in the hospital so she still calls me at every single time and I forgot to shut it down this is live baby God has given us a call. He's not giving you comfort. He's not asked for you to stay in the comfort zone, but for you to walk in power and authority. Power and authority. I want you to understand because the second story explained those and breaks those down in such a beautiful way. This is what happens. The Bible says that the, the, the Peter, James, and John, they were Jesus, and they see Moses and Elijah, and they have a conversation, and God shows up. His voice audibly begins to tell them, listen to my son. I can only imagine what that walk down from the mountain looked like. And when they get to the bottom of the mountain, there is an individual there. We pick up the story who has a son who sometimes is thrown in the water or sometimes thrown in the fire. I can only imagine he starts shaking. He has epilepsy. And this young man has, is filled with demons. And here are nine disciples 
who have been with Jesus, who the Bible says in, John, in Matthew chapter 10 were sent out into different towns and they were operating in authority and in power. They were casting out demons. They were healing people. They were doing incredible feats for God. But yet all nine of these guys are there and cannot cast out a simple demon. The Bible says that Jesus comes down and he sees what's going on and he's able to cast the demon out and he speaks some very stern and strong words to the disciples and then he shifts the gear a little bit and explains to them that this can only come out by prayer and by fasting. But what he's doing here is that he's showing a clear distinction. I want you to see something. There's a difference between power and authority. Because I believe in this next season of greater church and the church as a whole, everywhere that I go to preach, everywhere that I go talk, I'm trying to explain to people that we need to awaken and activate the gifts of the spirit, but that we need to walk in spiritual authority. Here's what I want you to understand. Spiritual authority is a lot different than power. Watch this. If I stand in the middle of a street, a police officer, if I do it, nobody listens to me. But if a police officer stands in the middle of the street, badge, gun, you know, the whole shebang, he's dressed in his, mili- in his, in his suit, everything is bummed to the T's. And if this man says to a car, stop, the car is going to stop. I want you to understand this. The car stops. Not because he stops the car physically by power, like he grabs the car and he says, Arr! and he does like He-Man or Hulk. He-Man, I just dated myself. Y'all know about that there. But he, he doesn't stop the car. Like it's not like power where he can, every single car, he can just hold it and stop it. No, it's an, it's an authority. Why is there an authority that he can call those things and say stop and people listen to him? Why? Because it's backed up by the law. If you don't stop, you receive a ticket. If you don't stop, you can receive a charge. There are penalties for not obeying the authority that he has been entrusted with. One that he was trained in doing, one that he was taught in doing, one that his body took physical beatings and he got to the point where he was able to graduate and become a police officer and at that moment he's given authority. How much more the children of the kingdom of God who have been trained, who have been taught who for 13 weeks we've been talking about these things 13 weeks we've been trying to show you what it is that God has put inside of you imagine the authority that you have that is not backed up by a civil law that is not backed up by a global law but it is backed up by a universal law that hasn't changed one that is filled with power and authority one that the creator of all things stand behind you and gives you that authority it's not that we live in power but we have authority when when that kind of gets inside of you when you understand, hold on, I I not only have a mandate, do you know the word commission means to be sent out with power and authority? Did you know that? The the word commission, it means that Jesus, everything that he does, he's handed it to you and he says, you are my representative. The Bible says that we are ambassadors, that we have not only power and authority living inside of us, but we have a responsibility to be able to do those things, power and authority. The the disciples had cast out demons. They had did everything before. But yet they find themselves in a place where they can't do it there. And I want you to understand something. Because when it comes to spiritual authority, it's been taught for so long. And maybe even in ourselves, half of the things that we learn about the Holy Spirit, we just come up with these things. And we just kind of think about them. And then the other half, you're intelligent. And you've listened to individuals who have shaped your theology. They shaped your dogma. The way that you think about God. The way that you interpret the Bible. I said Jesus. Whether you do it right or wrong. These things are all shaped by individuals who have taught you. And then there's some other people that we we, we just come up with stuff. We just, we just think about stuff and it's just like when it comes to spiritual authority, we think that it's positional. We think that we just received this spiritual authority and you just got saved or you've been saved for 48 years and now you understood what the spiritual gifts are and you just begin to walk out there and now you're wondering why is it that my son, the headache didn't go away? 
Why is it that this didn't go away? Why is it that that didn't go? Why is it that the disciples who were walking with Jesus for three years could not cast out the demon of a child who they went to cities and came back with testimonies? We did all these things. Because they were under borrowed authority. They had to develop their own authority, which is when Jesus said, this type only comes out by prayer and fasting. Because spiritual authority is not just positional, meaning that you live in it, but it's, actual, it's actually developed. That you begin to develop your spiritual authority. How, how do you begin to develop your spiritual authority? Over the next four weeks, in the month of September, we're going to start a brand new series that we're calling Spiritual Authority. I might change the name if I feel like it. But I'm going to take you through four weeks. Three weeks of which I'm going to explain to you in just a second. Three weeks where I'm going to explain gifts. I'm going to explain what spiritual authority is. How do you develop it? And then one week where we're going to see it at play. Not only in the life of believers and scriptures, but in our own personal life. And then we're going to walk into a season where we're not just going to walk in comfort. We're not just going to live in a Sunday service excited about it, but we're going to believe that the things that God has empowered us, he's actually sent us out with. And we're going to walk out there and we're going to begin to see this. How do you do this? How does your spiritual authority increase? Jesus explained to them, it's through prayer and through fasting. I believe that that's consecration. Today, we, we end 21 days of prayer and fasting. As a team, we've been talking about it. And I've explained to the team, and we've had meetings every single Sunday before service at 10 a.m. Sands or not happening this Sunday or the next Sunday. We meet at 10 a.m. in the building right across the street. And we have our discipleship, our development, where we meet as a team. And God has given me a word in, the, in, in Chronicles where Hezekiah the king has called, and he's created created this consecration alongside of it we've seen miracles happen in scripture and not only that we took it we've taken that and we said yo God wants us to go through a season of consecration and we've prayed and we fast 21 days we showed up here at 6 a.m and at 7 p.m we've done what we were supposed to do and we've watched miracles happen we've watched healings take place we've watched deliverance take place we've watched God move in beautiful and sweet ways not for us to just sit here and get high on because that's what happens when you just take the gifts and you come to church and this is oh my god this is good let me get a little bit more I just need the presence of God I just let me feel the presence of God but then you go home and you come back on Sunday because the presence of God left you and now it's because it's something that gets filled for you to be spilled because there is authority that needs to be developed but then you're also supposed to be sent out so we did the prayer and we did the fasting part but I want to show you that there are three different ways that you actually move from just being positional in authority to develop your authority. Number one, I'm telling you, each one of these, I'm not going to explain them. Each one of these, I'm going to take one week every single Sunday in September to be able to break these things down. It's rooted in your identity, number one. It is expanded through your intimacy with God. And it is activated by faith. For you to develop your spiritual authority, you have to understand your identity, who you are, who you are to Christ. Not who you are, like, yo, I'm Cuban, and I've made so many mistakes, and I've, I've, I've done things to break God's heart, and I've done things to mend God's heart. I don't even know if that's a thing, but I've done good things. I've done bad things, but it has little to do with me and everything to do with who he says that I am. He takes the book of Ephesians, Paul, and he explains that in him, he breaks it down over and over, explaining our identity, intimacy. When you're engaging in intimacy, when you're spending time with God, it's going to expand your spiritual authority. You begin to see and walk in new levels and you get to see new things. And then it's activated by faith. Everything you do when it comes to God, if it's not by faith, it is in 
possible to please God is what the scriptures say. So everything that you do, every single step that you take, you're going to notice it's always 70. This is my, my own little thing that me and my wife, we laugh at because it's 70%. We know what God said. We understand this. We got it. We, and then there's 30% that you're like, yo, what if this doesn't work? I, I'm just, I just got to have faith. That's the faith part. God is always, he's never going to, yo, at least with me, I don't, I don't know him, Kim, if he's done that with you, but with me, it's always like, he tells me a little bit and then I got to jump out there in the water and it's like, yo, I don't want to do this. Like, just give me the, is it yes or is it no? Like, tell me. Like, Lord, don't do this thing. You know me. You know I'm a mess. I'm a mess everything up. But God is always going to walk through the season where all of these gifts and everything that you walk with, stepping out there, it's going to happen by faith. We've seen those miracles happen. We've seen how God has activated things in our church and it comes through, obviously, us understanding our identity. We took the beginning of the year I don't know if you noticed, but to be able to solidify your identity, to understand that we're saved, but that there's, there's four cups, four promises that God has given to you, that he's given you salvation, but that he's also giving you deliverance. We preached on soul care. We explained to you what it was to close the door on your yesterday. We created a platform for you to have individuals in your life that you can talk to and be real with and have authentic relationships so that you can heal your yesterday and be able to walk out of your season, understanding number three, your development or who it is that God has called you to be. What are the gifts that God has put inside of you for you to ultimately make a difference? We've walked through all of these things for you to understand what's inside of you for you to begin to walk in power and authority because we want you to expand your authority we want you to understand who you are but we want you to expand your intimacy and then we want you to walk this thing out by faith faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God we're giving you all the hearing now over the next three weeks I'm going to explain what that means and I'm excited about it but for us to develop our spiritual authority it has to come through these three things because if you saw how it wasn't positional for the disciples, if it was positional, they would have been able to cast out that demon. But it wasn't. They had to develop it. Jesus actually even gave them steps and told them this type only comes out by prayer and by fasting. Not speaking about the demon because at that point, Jesus hadn't prayed and he was up on the mountain and he hadn't fasted. He came literally down the mountain and cast that demon out, meaning that there was a reserve inside of him. That reserve is called spiritual authority and it is expanded through intimacy prayer and fasting but it's rooted in your identity understanding who you are this is my son in who I am well pleased in God spoke the identity over him when he was in the mountain the Bible says that he steps down from the mountain and then he walks in faith I'm telling you it's developmental it's not just positional and hopefully as we walk this thing out we begin to see these things in our life and we take time to understand who we are we take time to actually walk walk in intimacy with God and then we step out on faith because if not we have a danger and here's where I, I, I want to I want to land this thing because I don't want us to walk into a season where I just preached my guts out for 13 weeks and Lillian and my wife Lydia and, and Jason people and everybody who came up here and we talked about the gifts of the spirit as we took lead before service and we had conversations around the gifts of the spirit and consecration we took 21 days as a team and we talked about these things we prayed about these things together we consecrated about it we got up way too early in the morning we stayed up and we divided our time enough to be able to spend time with God we don't want all of those things to be done just so we can go into the next series hey let's talk about relationships hey let's talk about money that's not my heart. My heart is that you would hear all these things. That something would get sparked up inside of you because where God is taking us as a church is not just on the pastors. It's on you. 
It's on us as a body of Jesus Christ. Remember we talked about how the gifts were given to each one, that it is God who works all these things out and he gives the gifts individually as he wills, that he wants every single person. You're watching me online right now. He wants you to be empowered. He wants to increase your spiritual authority so that you can walk in the miracle signs and wonders, not to create your own ministry, not for you to go sell prayer cloths for $7.99 online. Not for you to go from church to church making it about you. But so that you would preach the gospel. That those individuals that are far from God. That you would be able to preach and declare but demonstrate that they would come to the feet of Jesus. Men and women are dying all over the globe for that very call. And I'm hoping that that's your call. Because if not. And if I don't speak this way. I learned about a term this weekend. Or this week. That's called root bound, R-O-O-T bound, B-O-U-N-D, root bound trees. And I had no idea what a root bound tree was. I I didn't even know this was a thing. But because of the spacing of a tree, if a tree is placed inside of a vessel or inside of a container, then what happens is the roots that are supposed to spread for miles away, sometimes for feet away, But depending on the tree, it's supposed to be able to have space because once it has a space, it's able to absorb the nutrients and thus produce fruit or whatever it was created for, oxygen, etc. and etc. And this tree, when it is root bound, it is bound to a container. What ends up happening is that I never saw this in my life and I learned about this and it blew me absolutely away. These roots, they don't spread. What ends up happening is that they start to go in a circle and they begin to tie to each other. And it gets in such a way that all of a sudden it's called root bound that the roots are now starting to tie into all different things and i, I want to show you a picture of what this looks like it's going to come up online here in just a second and this is what it looks like these are several different images of what it means to be root bound these are what trees look like when they have their roots intertwined with it now the nutrients are not able to go to the tree thus causing the tree to die it is ineffective it is not bearing fruit it's not processing H2O or oxygen. I don't know. And Kim, you're smarter than me. You explain that later to people. But none of this, the tree is not working any of this stuff out because it's root bound. Number one, if we stay in our comfort zone, I'm afraid that we would get root bound. And the nutrients, the things that God wants to do that we won't explore, that we won't step out, that we won't pull new things from God. It's different when you wake up in the morning and you say, thank you, Jesus. And, and you're praying for a job and you're excited about your job and you go to work and you live your life like that to when you actually need Jesus because somebody's in front of you and God has given them a word and God give you a word for them and you need something inside of you to share that but, but when you're root bound you're, you're just stuck in your comfort zone you've allowed for this container to shape you in such a way that you're just like this is what you look like I don't I'm not what no I'm not what no the hope and the desires that our church wouldn't look like that either because this container And I'm glad we were able to break out of today and we're online. The people that are watching from all over the place. This right here, this can be a container. And yo, that's not my desire. That's not my heart, man. I don't want us to be a church that just comes in here. We sing Kumbaya, us four and no more. I want us to be a space that God gave me a word at the very beginning of this thing. And it wasn't, I don't think it was God necessarily that gave me this word. I was taught this word. I was mentored into this world. But then I believe that God gave me the identity of this word. And he told me, you're not pastoring a church. You're pastoring a city. It's incredible. And miracles that I'm going to share with you because things that have happened in this city because God has allowed for us to have an opportunity, not only to be a blessing to this city, but to pastor this city. It's not every day 
that on a day like Martin Luther King Day, on Martin Luther King's birthday, that the mayor of the city, that the chief of police at the city, that the largest school of the city's coaches and principals, that we together as a team go to Selma, Alabama, who people have forgotten about, a city that right now, daily, there's three to 14 murders that are happening every single day, and that as a body, as a as a city that we can go over there that we can feed 300 families that we can come alongside of the students up there and buy shoes for every single football every single basketball player that is in Selma High School South Selma High School that we can go over there and that I can grab on a platform because of Kit Cummings my dear friend for Power of Peace Project and I could preach the gospel in Selma Alabama in the audience having city officials and individuals of high ranking power God didn't call us to pastor just a church. He called us to pastor a city. Hey, look at me. That's This camera's closer. Babe, can I look, switch to this camera? I want, I want them to see my face when I say this. When God has called us to pastor a city, it wasn't just Chino and Lydia. It wasn't just Jason and Allison. It wasn't just Mimi and Alfonso. It isn't just Nunzi and Inkem. It's every one of us. God has called us to mentor, to disciple, to reach our mission reach and empower all people towards a relationship with Jesus that's our job our job is to reach them and to disciple them that's pastoring them that's walking with them on the journey what are these small groups maybe God has made you the best cook and you want to teach people how to cook start a small group a cooking small group you're pastoring three or four people and you're just cooking and talking and having great conversations Maybe you like to work out. Start a workout, G-group, like Quincy did. What I'm trying to explain to you here is that if we don't step out of our comfort zone, if we don't walk into a season that we develop our spiritual identity, our spiritual authority, we're going to find ourselves root-bound. Root Y'all don't want to live like that. I don't want your family to live like that. I don't want your legacy, your children's children, to live like that. And we be the type of church that this sucks and this hurts because I'm speaking strong but I gotta cut some of the roots out so that new ones can come out because that's what happens when a tree gets root bound you gotta start chopping it off and allowing for it to grow sometimes you gotta take it and you gotta shift it but you gotta do something for some of us today when you looked at that tree that that kind of looked like your life it just looked like a bunch of cycles and you know I can't get all the pornography but, you know I can't get out of drinking and drugs and alcohol but you know I, I can't shake this depression and this anxiety but you know I can't shake these suicidal thoughts but you know I'm a, I'm a mess if, if you only knew I can't get out of this space I feel like this when I saw that tree it looked like my life like I'm bound and it's just one cycle get up go to work come back home make dinner for the kids watch TV Go to sleep, do it again. And it's just a cycle. And I want to let you know that there's a God that can break that cycle. There's a God that can snap the twigs that have bound you. And that he can straighten it out. It is he himself who hung on a tree. It is he who himself went into a grave. Resurrected three days later. He straightened out the roots. He went to the deepest part of the earth. The deepest part and he took the keys from death, hell, and the grave and he gave it to you to unlock you out of this root boundless. If you have never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, that's your first step. 
If you've accepted Jesus, but you feel like you're root bound, in just a second, I'm going to pray for you. And we're going to break some of these roots so that you can start to spread and God begin to use you. That you can watch your legacy, your purpose, your destiny, the things that God has stored up inside of you. Eternity, the Bible says, will come to pass. John chapter 7, verse 8, 38 through 39, that out of your heart will flow rivers of living water. If that's you in this place and you've never said, Jesus, be my Lord. I want to give you an opportunity to be able to confess him as Lord. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 verse 9 that you confess that Jesus is Lord. God raised him from the dead and you believe in your heart that he is Lord. That God will save you. So all over this place, if you're home, maybe you're watching online. I'm hoping that you're watching it live. But yo, if you're watching this on a Tuesday or Wednesday, it's not by happenstance that you dropped into this video. But I believe that you're about to have an encounter with the creator of heaven and earth that he wants to save you and that he wants to break the roots in your life and he wants you to cause he wants you to spread to have life and to bear fruit thanks for listening to our podcast today the mission of greater church is to reach and empower all people we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey if god is using this ministry to impact your life please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media platforms at mygreater.